Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends around the country. We're still trying to figure out what in the hell OTA means. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I think I've said it like, like eight different things of what it means. It means, I know you're shouting at your phone, the ones who know, this isn't a game show. You don't win any prizes for yelling at your phone and guessing it first. Or answering it first. It's organized team activities. There, you happy? Yeah, I don't care if I had to look it up to make sure that I was right. I don't even know the things that I've said OTA. Dude, we just call it OTAs. It's like RBIs in baseball. We know, most of us know that it means runs batted in, but it's, it's RBI. And it's the same reason why, I'm not going to get into this long diatribe here to start this show on a Friday morning in June. Runs batted in, RBI, but they're a unit. It's, that's why it's RBIs. Plural. If you, uh, okay, that's enough. This is Datitude, episode number 75. It is the diamond episode of Datitude. Have you made it through all 75 of them? Yes, it is Friday, June the 3rd, 2022. We are inching up on a year, which is, to me, more important than a diamond episode. But the fact that we've made it 75 episodes is... Quite the feat, because when I started this little thing, I had no inkling of whether it would make it 75 up. Ep- I hoped it would make it 75 episodes. I hope it makes it 100 episodes. I hope it makes it, I don't know, 1,000 episodes. That would be great. If it makes it 1,000 episodes, that means I probably made it to retirement. Yay! But it is episode number 75. We've got... 925 more to go before I can retire. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Picayune, the advocate at bet.nola.com, and I am all over the map on this Friday morning already. We are two minutes and 47 seconds into the show, and I am all over the map. That's what happens in June, boys and girls. I mean, what do we have going on out there? Obviously, the thing that most of us are probably interested, if you're listening to this show, you're probably most interested in the Saints. But, I mean, before we get into them, did you see that NBA Finals game one last night? And I have not done enough of talking about the gambling aspect of the sports world here in New Orleans. This has turned into more of a general sports talk or 75% Saints and 25% whatever else is going on, including the Pelicans and LSU and everything else. And that's okay. But I will say this about last night. That game was a perfect example of why I fade the public, and I didn't listen. Fade the public when you're betting. It works out about, and I'm not exaggerating. I know people say this. About 80% of the time, If you fade the general public, you're going to win your bet. There is a reason why 
Vegas wins. There's a reason why bookies win. There's a reason why gambling outlets win. It's because they, the public, when they're all over something, it loses way more often than not. And last night is a perfect example. The Golden State Warriors can't be beat. I've said it for, for weeks now. This is the best team in the NBA. I said it on at the book yesterday. When you have a team like this, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. And I still believe that with this team. I still believe they're going to win the NBA championship. And they, the problem is last night, if you watch that game, that at the end of the third quarter when they had a, I think it was an 11-point lead at the end of the third quarter or 12-point lead, it was 15 towards the end of the third quarter, and it got whittled down to 11 or 12 before the fourth quarter started. But the Golden State Warriors knew they were going to win that game and then played like it, and the Celtics caught fire. And I hate that term in sports because when you're on the copy desk for as long as I am, you like everything to be literal. So we make jokes about catching fire. But the Celtics caught fire. They couldn't miss. They were hitting shots flat-footed after off of a bat from 23 feet. Everything was going in. Horford couldn't miss. Jalen Brown couldn't miss. Tatum wasn't hitting anything, but he wasn't even really shooting in the fourth quarter. And it's one of the just the most insane fourth quarters I've ever seen, especially in a finals. So if you had money on the Warriors, jump on my bandwagon because I, I just I, most of the time I don't even let my feelings and my thoughts get in into any process. I go and look and see where the money is, and I bet the other way. More times than not, you're going to win. But, I, you know, the public doesn't always lose, and I thought last night was going to be one of those nights. We'll see what happens in game two. The Celtics are now the favorite to win the finals. I still don't think they're going to. Maybe there's value there. Maybe there isn't. Maybe there's value in the Warriors. Maybe there isn't. What do I know? I'm just a sports betting writer who has not had a good week. Oh, my goodness. So we'll see what happens. The Warriors are favored by four to win game two and to even the series at one, and then they go on the road. The, the problem for the Warriors is that the Celtics have been great on the road, which they showed. I think they're now 8-1 and one on the road in the, in the playoffs, or 9-1. They're either 8-1 or 9-1. And, and the Warriors have clearly been much better at home than they've been on the road. There's a reason why the bookmakers have made the Celtics the favorite to win the finals now, which would be their 18th NBA championship. Whether it happens or not, We'll have to wait and see. LSU baseball gets started this evening in Hattiesburg. The Hattiesburg Regional, where the number one seed is the is Southern Miss. LSU, a number two seed. Not, not used to being a number two seed. And when they are, like Mikey Matuk said on At the Book yesterday, they usually send them out west or something far away from home. They didn't this time. They actually got a pretty good draw to, to advance. Uh, we'll see if they do or not. They're going to have to pitch much better than they've been pitching. Uh, as I record this, we still don't know who the starter is tonight. I'm assuming it's Mikhail Hilliard, but we don't know that yet. Uh, so we'll see how the Tigers handle their road to long road to Omaha. If they're going to make it to Omaha, they're going to need a lot of breaks to fall their way. They're going to have to play better than they played in the SEC tournament. 
Uh, they have been all over the map. They've looked like a team that could go to Omaha at times, and they've looked like a team that doesn't belong in the tournament at all at times. And uh, so we'll have to wait and see what they do. Again, that starts tonight. They play Kennesaw State at 6 p.m., and you can watch that on ESPN+. Plus. But most of you listening to this show don't want to talk about that, or maybe you do, but uh, we're going to talk about the Saints this afternoon or this morning. I guess it's still this morning when I'm recording this. Luke Johnson of the Times Picayune and the Advocate is going to join us here on the Diamond episode of Datitude. He's been out at OTAs, and um, I'm interested to get his take on what he sees. We're going to talk about some of the players that are out at OTAs, some of the players that are supposedly out at OTAs that we haven't seen. I'm not going to mention any names. Michael Thomas, uh, you know who we're talking about. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the potential you know, I've gotten some questions about the legal issues for Alvin Kamara and Marcus May. It comes out again because Marcus May is now, uh, his um, his court date has been moved back to August the 25th. So, you know, Alvin Kamara pushed back to August 1st, now Marcus May, August 25th. What does that mean? Um, when will potential sentences by the NFL, I shouldn't say sentences, penalties, uh, be handed down from the NFL. It usually happens not long after um, whatever punishment they get. If they get a punishment, sometimes they don't. Uh, sometimes they settle. Whatever happens, um, the NFL, I, I can assure you that both of these guys are going to be handed suspensions of some sort. Now the possibility, as we talk about it with Luke again in, in just a moment, but if these court cases drag on they keep getting pushed back I mean it's possible that it doesn't happen this year we'll get Luke's take on that he is following that coming up in just a moment Um, but uh, you know I continue to be befuddled by the Saints and their lack of respect in the books I guess with the expected number and here's another reason I just told you about fading the public right Here's another reason that here's another reason to be nervous if you're a Saints fan. And ex, you expect them to have a great season. And, and, and quite, quite frankly, I mean, I've made my opinions known for the last month and a half, two months. I don't see how this team doesn't win 9, 10, 11 games. I just don't. But so does most of the public. And I just told you about fading the public. That win total at Caesars started out at seven and a half. Now you had to lay $140 to $100 in the beginning. It crept up on eight, where you would get it was about even money. And now it's eight at like minus one thirty, which means it's continuing to rise. It's gonna be eight and a half very soon. Which means the public is betting on the Saints win total. That scares the bejesus out of me. If you've got money on that, or if you're just a gen- you don't have to have money on it. If you're a Saints fan and the general public is betting all over the Saints, that's not really not what you want to happen, because the public is more wrong than they're right. We'll see who's right and who's wrong soon enough. Uh, Mini camp beginning uh, in less than two weeks. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot more about that before I head off into the great land of vacation. That is coming up in a couple of weeks, and Datitude will take a little break around uh, just before the July 4th holiday, 
And uh, by the time we come back, it'll be close to training camp time. So that's where we are. I mean, I told you this calendar moves. It moves fast. It moves super fast. I mean, we're already in the first week of June, and um, training camp is, what, six, seven weeks away? Preseason is two months away. It's moving. So we'll be there before you know it. Let's bring in our guest for this Friday. And I want to thank Luke for coming on because he's got a lot going on. June is a busy time for for beat writers. That's a 12-month job now, really. I don't know how they find time to take vacation. but They do, but it's not easy. And a 12-month job. And as you'll hear throughout this uh, interview, Luke's phone is busy. Because a beat writer's phone is always busy. And uh, we thank him for coming on. Let's get to it. Welcoming into the Dadtude Podcast on a Friday morning. Saints beat writer for the Times McCune and the Advocate, Luke Johnson. And um, Luke, welcome to the Diamond Edition of the Dadtude Podcast, episode number 75. I figured, what else are we going to talk about in episode 75 in the Saints? Uh, hence, you're on this morning, and I thank you for being a part of it. I guess a special episode. Yeah, I feel special, Jim. I, yeah, don't I, I mean, this is a great honor. Like <laughs> I mean, he, like me instead of Duncan, I, I you know that's that's a that's that's a big move in my part. Well, what else are you going to do in the middle of June except talk about Saints? I mean, you know, we joked off the air. I mean, that's what people want to hear, so we're going to give them what they want. Speaking of the New Orleans Saints, Luke, you've been out at practice, and um, well, not it's not theoretically. I guess it's you could call it practice. I ran into Dennis Allen. Um, at a car wash last week and he called it practice. So I guess, I guess we can call it practice. It, it's, it's OTAs. And what kind of sense do you get of what's, what's going on out there? Uh, well, I, you know, I think they're getting a lot of looks at people that they wouldn't otherwise get lengthy looks at, you know, there's a lot of people gone. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's for them, it's just uh, you know, it's a chance for Dennis Allen to like assert himself as, as the guy with Sean Payton not around. Um, you know, it's a chance for, uh, you know, some of these guys to, to, you know, get around their new teammates, guys like Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew, uh, both of whom have, have been participating in some way, shape or form in this. Um, you know, it's, it's a chance for them to get a look at some of these new guys on the roster. So, um, you know, I don't think it goes much beyond that. Um, you know, they're not getting really deep into the playbook or anything like that. Um, you know, we're not seeing them in pads or they're not, doing these heavy installs and, um, you know, we don't see a lot of 11 on 11. So, um, a lot of attendance taking a lot of saying, wow, Jarvis Landry looks really good, uh, <laughs> going up against the fifth string corner. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, you can see the traits in Chris Olave that, that made him a first round pick without actually seeing him do really much of anything. Um, you know, it's, it's a weird time to be, uh, to be like a, a reporter, uh, covering, uh, uh, you know, May and June practices because you you want to you want to take so much out of this and there's only so much you can take. Yeah, everybody kind of looks good in OTAs, right? Um, we're we're going to get back to the practice aspect of it in a minute because there are some player, specific players that I w- want to ask you about. But I've been getting a lot of questions and people ask me, and you know, frankly, I just don't really know the answer. So um, we're going to get into the legal aspect of, of two particular players. One's Marcus May, who. For those who are just casual Saints fans and don't pay enough attention, he is a defensive back, the, the safety that's being brought in to uh, kind of replace Marcus Williams in, in a sense. I mean, Terran Matthews is going to do that. Uh, Marcus May helps bolster this backfield. 
um, a starter for with the Jets, I think is a fantastic ad. He's got uh, an issue with the DUI case in Broward County, Florida. Um, and then, of course, Alvin Kamara, who his, his case out in Las Vegas has been pushed back as well. Now, from what I see, both of these cases now are in August, which is going to present an interesting challenge for both of these guys because it's going to take away from their training camp and their preparation. Now, Marcus May, will be, they'll be out of camp, I guess, by then or pretty close to it. Um, but just talk about, first of all, the impact of them having these cases in August and uh, what it's going to take away and and then secondly, I want to ask you, we kind of talked a little bit off air of, I mean, there's a potential that the penalties for these guys don't even come down this year. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, <laughs> I think, you know, we'll start there first of all, because I think that's something to consider when you're, when you're looking at this year is it's, it's not automatic that both of these guys, well, well I think they're both going to serve some sort of league discipline. Um, it's not automatic that it's going to happen this year. Um, We've seen it a couple times recently with the Saints, where um, you know, like PJ Williams a couple years ago, I think he got a DWI. Don't quote me on that because I, I don't have the, the the report in front of me. But um, yeah, that, that happened in like January, and uh, and you know his court date ended up being pushed back, and I think he served a suspension like very very late in the year. Um, you know, last year. Uh, Deontay Harris, Deontay Hardy um, had a similar situation. I think his court date was in July originally, and you know he didn't serve his suspension until November or December. Um, so I think there's a possibility, especially in Alvin Kamara's case, if this thing just kind of drags on a little bit, uh, that this uh, you know league discipline that he may be facing gets pushed into the 2023 season. Um, yeah, you know, it's not a certainty, but I think it's a possibility. I think the same thing goes, uh, you know, applies for Marcus May. Um, you know, it, I don't know if I'm if I'm necessarily concerned too much about them missing camp time. You know, both of these guys are are veterans. Um, you know, maybe Marcus May more than others because, or more than Alvin because you know he hasn't been in this in this defensive system for that long. But you know, as as Tyron Matthews said, uh, like last week, you know, there's there's really only like six coverages here. <laughs> Right. You know, it's, it's really more about being around your teammates. And I think he's, you know, he's been there for, for OTAs, even though he hasn't been on the field or anything like that. He's like, he's been around and getting to know the guys. So um, yeah, that, that part concerns me less, but it's really more the timing thing for me. And, you know, especially for Alvin Kamara, it's the fact that there's no precedent for this thing. Um, You know, no real precedent that you can look at be like, yes, he's going to be suspended X number of games. Marcus may, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward two or three games. Um, yeah, it's kind of been the the deal with with uh, players who get you know caught with the, or get in trouble with the DUI. Um, so yeah, that that one's pretty straightforward. But with Alvin, you know, it might be a thing where the suspension lands at like the end of the year, and um, you know, maybe he's forced to miss playoff games. Like, I mean, that could be bad. You know, um, if the Saints are as good as they think they are, it could be really bad, to be honest. And and I mean, that's actually. Alvin's the one that we kind of want to focus on here. And, um, you know, if you look at, at the entire Saints roster, I would, I would imagine, you know, we haven't talked about it, but I would imagine you would say they're, they're pretty solid. They're pretty, they have depth at, at, at a lot of places. Running back is not one of them. Um, has there been, do you think there's a priority to, to get another running back in here? Um, you know, where do they stand on that? What do you think is going to happen at running back? I mean, because even with Alvin Kamara in the fold, 
the Saints really aren't very deep there. Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, you know our colleague Jeff Duncan reported um, maybe uh, last week um, that he wouldn't be surprised if the Saints bring another running back in. Um, and I think that's a position where where just kind of historically you look around the league and you know um, training camp comes and goes and and you know a, a guy is kind of a surprise cut there, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Or or somebody's available, um, you know, in a trade midseason or something like that 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 you weren't expecting would be available like Mark Ingram last year. Um, so I think it's it's a position they can address. Uh, you know, I, I think. Um, you, know, you kind of just look around the league and, and running back seems to be one of the easiest positions to, to kind of find a guy who's, who's capable there. Um, you know, the Browns last year, I mean, they have two stud running backs, right? Yeah, Nick Chubb and, uh, and um, Kareem Hunt. And both of those guys go out and, you know, this guy I've never heard of, I think Darius Jackson, I think comes in and rushes for like 160 yards. You know, I, I just think that that's, I think that's a position where you can find somebody who's going to give you really, really good reps. Um, even if, uh, you know, you wouldn't be expecting that right away. Um, I just don't think they necessarily have it on the roster right now. Uh, I think there's a chance Mark Ingram could be fine, but like you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit um, just because you know, last year he was kind of hurt for the first time, um, like in a while. Right. Um, he couldn't play down the stretch. He's about, I think he's already turned 33. Um, roll of the dice there. Um, Tony Jones was really, really impressive in training camp last year. Then he got a high ankle sprain and he kind of fell out of favor. And, um, you know, by the time he got back on the field, he wasn't really the same player that we saw in training camp. That's why they had to go out and get Mark Ingram. Um, I think they've seen Divino Zigbo three or four times now. And, you know, I, I don't think he's the guy. Yeah. I'm in, I'm intrigued by this undrafted rookie free agent. They have Abram Smith, um, but you got to see it from him first. I don't think you can just like count on it after a couple OTA practices in a rookie mini camp. Um, so I, I would think that that's an area where, um, you know, if, if somebody's kind of unexpectedly released or somebody's made available in a trade and you can get somebody for a six round pick or something like that, you go out and make a move. Yeah, uh, with Mark Ingram, I hate the term long in the tooth because I'm kind of the definition of long in the tooth, uh, being in this business as long as I am. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if he's your main guy right behind Alvin Kamara, really side-by-side with Alvin Kamara. And it's to be counting on a 33-year-old. I mean, we've talked about it many times. I mean, running backs, when they start hitting, when that first number of their age is a three, you start wondering when it's going to be over for a running back. So you do have to have concern there. I mean, it's one thing for sure. Uh, is he out there? Yeah, there's only one Frank Gore out there, right? You know, I, I mean, he just retired right. the day. Um, I, those guys do not happen very often. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Well, speaking of, of camp, you know, one of, the first person I want to ask about is, you know, I saw Amy wrote a story about Jarvis Landry in a, in a feature. and This guy seems to just be in, in – and like a lot of guys who get to go home, quote unquote, right? He seems to be in his glory uh, coming here. Like, you know, Terran Matthew, he talked about being a saint before he even was able to, to make the deal happen. That's how much he wanted it to happen. Those two guys in particular, they just seem, they didn't need to revitalize their career because they're, they're doing pretty darn well for themselves. But you got to be happy for a guy like Jarvis Landry and, and a Terran Matthew for being able to come home and, and probably play where the place they've always wanted to their entire lives. 
Yeah, I mean, having spoken to both of those guys, uh, you know, in the last week or two, um, I mean, it's it's like really evident when you talk to those guys that it's not BS. <laughs> you know, they're very happy to be home. <laughs> uh, you know, Jarvis in particular yesterday. You know, I, I mean, he was um, it, like he just looked happy. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, and I, like you said, I, I I think both of these guys can still ball. Um, you know, and, and when you're, if, I think if you were to ask, uh, you know, a, like a Louisiana native, especially somebody who went to LSU or is a fan of LSU yeah, out of like all of their, their former tigers in the NFL right now, realistic ones, you know, taking probably Joe Burrow and Jamar chase out of the, uh, out of the equation. If you could like ask them like to pick the, the you know, two Louisiana guys, the two like kind of new Orleans area guys that they would want. Um, yeah, I'd say probably nine out of 10 of those people would say Jarvis and Tyron, you know, maybe a couple of people throw Odell Beckham in there, but, um, yeah, these guys are, are like died in the wool, like South Louisiana kids went to LSU, you know, have had very, very successful NFL careers and they're still going strong and they're coming back here. I think they both have a chance to really make a positive impact on the team this year, both on the field and in the locker room. Um, Jarvis yesterday, I, I mean, you could immediately see like the competitive streak that he brings in, you know, uh, fighting off a guy to make a catch. And, you know, it's, I mean, they're, they're in shirts and shorts, it's whatever, but, um, he was getting in the guy's face afterwards. And, uh, you love to see that stuff. You know, I, I think he's, he's just going to add a lot to the team. And the same thing goes for retiring. Um, two really, really good signings in my opinion. Out at OTAs, um, Obviously, the you, you, you touched on it. The key is going to be, I think, for me, over the summer and getting used to a new man in charge, um, whether there's new systems in place. It's not going to be all that new. I mean, you still have Pete Carmichael there uh, who's going to run Sean Payton's offense and, and really, to, to much of an extent, his offense. Um, Dennis Allen's going to run his defense. Um, but just the overall general feeling of there there are new people in charge and I know it's early but but what kind of sense do you get for how is that going so far and chemistry plays such a role in a successful team yeah I mean you know honestly like (laughs) I think it's going pretty well because it seemed to be pretty seamless you know and I think that's what they were going for and that's why they hired Dennis Allen because right. they, they wanted somebody who was going to, who was going to kind of keep running the same sort of ship that Sean Payton was running. Um, and, you know, they feel like they have a, they have a system that works here. Right. And they don't want somebody who's going to come in and, and turn the whole thing over and want to put their whole, their own stamp on it. So yeah, I've, I've been trying to like go out there and see you know, what's different and what's new and, and, you know, how do things feel, different with Dennis Allen in charge versus Sean Payton. And like, to be honest, it's just felt like the same saints team I've covered the last five years. It, you know, they, they're indistinguishable and, and that's probably going to change by the time the, the regular season comes around. But as, as for right now, I, you know, I think that the, you know, they, they feel like they have a formula and they're sticking to it. And, um, and you know, they, they are running the same offense. They are running the same defense. They have a lot of the same assistant coaches, a lot of the same players. Um, and it doesn't really feel like much has changed. And I think that's, that's what they wanted. I was going to say, that's what you want to hear, right? You, you, I mean, they've been successful. Why would you want to change a whole lot? I mean, you don't get a sense that Dennis Allen's going to come in. I mean, obviously he's going to want to put a stamp on some things, but you don't get a sense that, there are going to be major changes. You think he's going to try to keep it as much 
uh, in the in the flow that they've had already. Yeah, I mean, and I think you've already seen that, and just like the they're, the way they've they've approached personnel, right? I, I mean, that's it's one of the coach's biggest influences on a roster, right? You know, is 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 who he wants on his team, and I feel like everybody they've added has been the same kind of player they they added during the Sean Payton era. Yeah, maybe with the exception of of bringing some LSU guys on, right? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I, I think um, yeah, they're they're looking for competitive, athletic players who fit a certain size prototype, um, and they, basically everybody they've brought in fits that mold. Um, you know, they're looking for guys who are intelligent and guys who have been you know, team leaders, captains in the past. They they everybody's fit that mold. Um, so, and, and then you go from that to the fact that the practice structure is almost exactly the same. I mean, it's going to sound different coming from Dennis Allen's mouth. You have a defensive coach running the show instead of an offensive coach. And, and maybe there's going to be some, some times when we're looking at it and we're like, okay, well, you know, Sean Payton is a very, very aggressive coach. And by nature, defensive coaches usually are not that way. Right. And, and, you know, it's going to, it's going to, the changes are probably going to play out more on the field, um, than, than, than really in the, the, the part of running the program. But I, you know, I think it's, it was really important for the saints to, to run the same sort of program, the same type of program. And I think it's pretty clear so far they achieved that goal. Well, you can't have a podcast talking about the saints without talking about two specific players. And I want to get your take on, on them. And I'm pretty sure, you know, who we're going to, I'm going to ask you about it, but, uh, you know, Jameis Winston, I, I love the fact that he is gung ho. He's out there. He's got the knee brace on. He's, he says all the right things. What do you see out there? Uh, that, do, do you think he'll be ready for, for game one and, and in game shape by then? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's only a few months away. We're, we're a lot closer to, the, to game one than we are when, it, when he got injured. Uh, so just, just talk about where you think he is in, in his progress. And, um, you know, again, the excitedness about him and the work that he's put in is really – Helped his cause, I believe. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be ready for week one. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's still some things he can't do, um, you know, by doctor's orders. Um, you know, he, he's not um, rolling out. He's not sprinting. Um, you know, he's kind of just limiting himself to, to playing in the pocket. Um, but, I mean, you know, we saw the guy throw a 55-yard bomb to Chris Olave in practice last week. Uh, I think he's doing okay <laughs> in his recovery. Um, so yeah, they're, they're going to continue to, um, to only allow him to do the things that he's kind of cleared to do. But I, I imagine that by the time week one rolls around, he's going to be fully clear, fully, fully ready to go. Um, so, so, so by the, so by then you think he'll be ready to, to roll out and do all the things. I mean, obviously, I mean, he was never running quarterback, although he, last year he did probably run a little bit more than he was used to. Do you think they'll have to keep that sort of thing in check a little bit? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's like, like uh, you know, I think it was the same thing with Joe Burrow coming back last year. You know, I, I don't think he, you know, when, when he came back, I don't think he was, like, fully, like, you know, going to do all the scrambles that he, you know, that he did really well at LSU coming off that, that same sort of injury. Um, so, you know, it, it'll probably be a thing where they want to kind of contain him a little bit more in the pocket and not, not risk too many things with him early on. Um, but I, I do think that he'll be just ready to go in week one um, and you know, fully cleared to, to play football. Um, so, 
and, and you know, to, to the other part of your question, I, I think that it's, it was really important for him to be out there. Um, you know, he, he could have, and I, and I was kind of expecting this, he, like he could have just shown up and just stood on the sidelines in a red jersey and a ball cap and been like, I'm here. You know, you guys see me, you know, I'm, I'm invested in the team and all that. Uh, but I, I think the fact that he was on the field, even if he wasn't fully cleared to do everything, the fact that he was just out there moving around with his teammates, that was a sign to them that like, Hey, I'm going to be ready to go week one. And I'm going to be here doing everything I can to get on the field. Um, and you know, I think that was the most important part of it. It wasn't even the fact that he was out there moving. It yeah. was, it was the, the, you know, the image of him being out there and what that means for his teammates. So, um, you know, I think he, he's got that part down, right. He's got the, the whole, uh, the whole lead by example part down, which is important. Um, now he's just got to show he's, he's still good to do it on the field. Yeah, I, th- I think it's as more important. I mean, we talk about the fan aspect, and you, you're wondering who the quarterback's going to be. Is, is Jameis going to be ready? I mean, and in some to some degree, I'm sure the coach is wondering the same thing. But I think it's the most important that his teammates say, see, this dude is working his tail off, and he is ready to go. You know, he's, he says all the right things, does all the right things, and i I, I got to be honest. I, I love what I've what I've seen so far, the first, you know, 15, 16 months or whatever it is of, of Jameis Winston as a saint, or well, I guess he was a saint the, the year before that, but on the sideline. Yeah, but the, you know, when the team's been his. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Like he's, he's done all the right things. Um, so, you know, and, and you know, obviously the saints had the, the dalliance this off season with, uh, with Deshaun Watson. Um, it was very public. You know, he knew about that going on. Um, so, you know, I think he's, he's also, you know, he, he still feels like he's got something to prove here. Um, that's why, that's why his, his contract was essentially, it was a two-year contract that was essentially a one-year contract. He's going to go out and, and show one way or another who he is. And, uh, and, you know, he's, I think he's pretty motivated to, to prove that he deserves to be, you know, the guy. As Jeff Duncan said earlier this week, I think, uh, Saints fans are probably realizing, and I'm not going to really get into this because it doesn't matter on this show, but I think it's starting to uh, be apparent that it's it's a good thing if you're a Saints fan. They did not get Deshaun Watson because he's still got his own issues off the field that are going to follow him for probably uh, quite a while, and uh, the Saints won't have to worry about that, and we'll see how that turns out. I do want to talk about uh, Michael Thomas, and um, he has been out there, correct? He's he, he, He's there. He's just not... He's not uh, running drills at the moment. So just a little clarification, he's there, but he's not out there. So, like, we haven't actually laid eyes on his physical presence. But ah. everybody's saying he's there. Everybody's saying that he's in the building, he's doing rehab. Uh, it's not necessarily surprising to me that he's not showing up for the media. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but, um, it, you know, I, I think uh, the, the general um, – consensus among his coaches and his teammates are is that he is in the building he's putting in the work he's getting close he's just not quite there yet um they keep saying he's going to be ready for training camp um we shall see you know i i think i i remember last year um you know sean payton saying around this time of year that mike thomas was ahead of schedule and then he missed the entire season uh and you know it comes out that they'd actually had not even been in communication <laughs> so um, yeah, I think you got to take everything with a grain of salt until it actually happens. 
Um, and he's actually out there on the field and showing that he's back to being the guy who won the 2019 offensive player of the year award. You know, um, I think it was important for them to go out and get a couple of guys who who can take some, some of the pressure off him and alleviate some of the pressure to, to produce right away uh, with Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave. Um, but if he is back and good, I mean, it's hard to see like a lot of you know, skill position groups that are you know, potentially more dangerous than the saints with you know, three guys who, you know, could very well be like pro bowl level receivers and um, you know, Alvin Kamara running back. And you know, I think, you know, if Taysom Hill gets back healthy in place, you know, I think he can give them a, a unique weapon, a tight end when you've got three other, four other pass catchers on the field. Um, you know, I, I think they could be a really, really interesting skill group. If Mike Thomas is Mike Thomas, we all know, but the, the only thing is we just don't know. Realistically though, Luke, I mean, we can't expect him to be the Mike Thomas we saw here the first four or five years. Right. I mean, you, you just – and look, I hope he proves me wrong. I mean, great. If you prove me wrong, great. Um, I mean, step one is obviously to get him out on the field. We're not going to – I'm taking now that we're not going to see that during minicamp, which is coming up in, in less than two weeks. But um, if we see him at training camp, great. But I just can't imagine a guy that hasn't played significant football really in two years or longer um, is going to come in and be the guy that we were used to seeing. I don't think he needs to be that guy. That's the, that was the second thing I was going to say, though. Yeah, like you know, I look, look. I I think it's still possible, right? It may be even likely that he that he does get back to being that guy, but I don't think he needs to be that guy right away. Yeah, uh, yeah. Having, I, I think the fact that that Marquez Callaway or Traquan Smith you know, or Deontay Hardy are, you know, those three guys are your four five and six in whatever order. Right. Right. I mean, it's right. pretty good, right. It's bad when those guys are your one, two, three, it's really, really good when those guys are your four five, six. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when you're talking about, um, having a guy like Jarvis Landry, who's over the course of his career averaged 85 catches and 950 yards a, a year, and you've got Chris Olave, who I think is doing nothing but showing like why he's, he's so, you know, the saints were so, you know, on him and, and why they traded up to go get him at number 11. I, I don't think Mike Thomas needs to come out and catch 10 balls for 125 yards a game. And I think he can come out and, and be, you know, be a guy who's going to, who's going to move the sticks on third down. And, and, you know, if he gives you 90 catches in a 17 game season, I, I think that's a huge win. That's a huge win. And, and, you know, even then, like, you know, when he was catching 149 balls in 2019, he was doing that against double teams and, and, you know, with team shade and coverage his way. Um, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think teams are going to be able to do that this year. So even if he's a fraction of who he used to be in 2019, when he first comes out, I still think, I don't think he's just going to be a scrub and, um, you know, he's still going to be probably a very, very good receiver. Somebody who, you know, doesn't have to face, two or three guys in coverage is probably going to be winning some, some contested balls. Well, I'll say this. I think that uh, no matter whether he comes back or not, I think 2022 is the breakout year for Marquez Callaway. I, I really do. And, uh, you know, you've seen enough of him to, to know that he has the potential to be a number one receiver in an NFL team, uh, whether he does or doesn't. Uh, to me, that's the guy that, that people, you, 
you can't focus on him now. And him, that guy on, with one-on-one coverage, I mean, he could be a guy to me that has 8, 10, 11 touchdowns in a season because he's that hard to, to guard. And if you're shifting the focus and you got Michael Thomas and you got Jarvis Landry and you got Chris Olave, I think to me that's the guy that, that people aren't going to – they're going to be talking about him by about week four or five, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's a possibility. I, you know, I, like especially you know, I think about like Traquan Smith in like the 2018 season when he was yeah. like the number four guy, and he had like two games where he had like 160 yards. You yeah. know, because it's just like like he's a good football player. Like it, it, maybe Traquan does not develop the way everybody kind of hopes he did. And, you know, I think injuries have really set him back. But you know, you see you see sometimes that these guys are just excellent football players um, when they're given the opportunity and. You know, Marquez, I think last year was a frustrating year because he, he had showed so much promise in the preseason and the lead up, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, he was, he was very much like the guy. And then they had this very, very, very conservative approach and, and you know, he got off to a very slow start. But at the end of the year, he was playing really good ball, right? And, uh, and you know, I think if, if the opportunities are there for him, um, which – who knows, you know, who knows how much they're going to throw the ball. Like they were, they were very conservative last year. Um, you know, who knows how much of the, the target share goes to those top three guys, Alvin Kamara is usually occupying a very large percentage of the target share Let's see how much goes to him. But if the opportunities are there for Marquez, I think I agree you know, that, that he can be just an underrated part of this passing game that, that has a, a year that's a lot better than most people are expecting. All right, Luke, before we let you go, I want to uh, just get, I've I've asked Duncan this question. I, I think I've asked Amy this question. I'm not sure, but just your overall take and give me a and we'll have you on before the season starts again. But I, I just can't get and I say it every show, but I cannot get over the fact that their predicted win, their projected win total is eight or eight and a half. It just to me this team is so much better than that. And and again, Derry Downer is my nickname. So I mean I'll tell you. I'll tell you if I think they're gonna gonna be bad, but I just don't see it. Barring injuries or something really kooky happen, I don't see how this team's not a winning team. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, you know, I don't want to be like a homer or anything, but um, I, like I, I, it just keeps blowing my mind to see everybody so down on this team right now, uh, and maybe they they are just like convinced that. Um, you know, Dennis Allen's tenure with the Raiders is such a disaster. And you take away the magic that was Sean Payton. He was the whole thing holding it all together last year. I just don't buy it. I, I think this either. roster, I think this roster is really, really deep. Um, you know, I think there, there are some question marks. Yeah. I, I, I want to see how Trevor Penning plays in, in place of, of um, Teron Armstead. I think that could be a really, really important position for him this year. Um you know, I, I think you still got to see how James performs over the course of a full season when they're maybe putting the ball in his hands a little bit more. Um, you know, his numbers were really good last year, but you know, I think there was like four out of his starts. He had, he threw less than 22 passes or something like that. Um, so I want to see some of that, but you know, I mean, I, I'm looking at this roster right now and I, I don't really see any weak spots. Um, they, they short up the safety position, you know, maybe they're, they're a little bit light at defensive tackle, but I think they got some guys, they, they're kind of trusting there or trusting in there. Um, I think they're really, really good on the edge. They're, they're really, really good on the perimeter on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, <laughs> like I, I think this is a team that's going to contend for a division title and with the bucks. I really do. 
Certainly not a five to one uh, shot to win the division, which is what they are right now. Five to one. Yeah. If you if you yeah. play if you play this season five times in some netherworld with the same people at the same age, basically at the same time, I guess some computer simulation. I guarantee you they win the division at least once, probably more than once. That that's just what I say anyway. I yeah, I mean I'm not a betting man, but I'd put twenty bucks on that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I am a betting man, and I've already put a little bit more than 20 bucks. So that's another story. <laughs> Luke Johnson, thank you for joining us on this Friday morning. I hear that phone buzzing. You got a lot going on. We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me on, man. So, I mean, if there's any, you know, we talked about the public and what the number is and the eight wins, projected eight wins. So there's, here's a reporter who doesn't count as a member of the public because he's not a betting man. So he's not betting on it. He sees the same way I see it. I don't know. Something's up. Who's right? Who's wrong? We'll find out soon enough. I mean, I would say we'll find out in January, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you'll probably know long before that, right? I mean, I don't think it's going to take more than four to six games to figure out what our chances are here. If you're part of that betting the over eight wins or you're part of the betting the five to one to win the division, the fact that the Saints play their first three games against division opponents, I think you're going to have a good feel of whether it should be 5-1, to one, whether it should be 2-1, to one, whether it should be 20-1. to one. I think we're all going to have a good feel. It won't take long. Um, before we go off the air the, this morning, I do want to send out a shout-out and uh, get well wishes to Jeff Duncan, our columnist here at Times McCune. Uh, got covid and um, he's at home rusting up, trying to get ready for camp. He's going to be okay, and, uh, but we, we sent out our well wishes to him. Maybe we'll have him on next week if he is able. Um, no joke, man. I, I, I don't talk about personal things a whole lot. Um, I do interject my kids here and there. But if you've listened to all 75 episodes, at times you've heard me talk about uh, the repercussions that I've had from my own COVID issues. Um, they still still around. I got it, what is it, 16 months ago now, the first time. Um, still don't have all my taste and smell back. In fact, I, everything tastes off or smells off the, the things that I can smell and taste, which is not everything. Um, coffee doesn't taste right. Nothing tastes right. Uh, nothing. And I mean, when I say nothing, I mean nothing. There's nothing that tastes like it's supposed to taste. And some things don't taste like anything at all. So that's 16th month, months later. It's improved from where it was even three, four, five months ago. But when I got it again, I think in March, um, yeah, I kind of took a major step backwards. And I've never gotten back to where I was. So, <coughs> excuse me. I think um, we say to all of those who have dealing with long COVID issues, feel your pain, my friends, my brothers and sisters. Who, um, I'm telling you, it's no joke. It is, it is, I mean, I don't know what we, we could do about it. I'm not advocating uh, anything to say what we can do about it. I'm just telling you that it, it is no joke, and it's certainly not uh, what a lot of us thought a couple years ago. Best wishes to Jeff Duncan, and best wishes to any of you that are dealing with either COVID right now or long COVID or anything else you got going on in your life. We, 
We feel you. We sympathize. We love you. And uh, we thank all of you who have made it through multiple episodes of this show. 75 episodes in, it has been quite the journey thus far, and I hope it's just the beginning. We have had a lot of fun with it. We hope to continue to have fun with it. Uh, we've had some great guests throughout the first 75 episodes of the show. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned Jeff Duncan, and I can't thank him enough for being such a big part of this show uh, through these 75 episodes. Um, all of our writers here at the Times-Picayune uh, and The Advocate, and there are a couple that I still haven't gotten on and, and hope to have on soon. And, uh, you know, we thank all the great guests that have been part of these first 75 episodes. It's going to... It's been a fun ride. We will continue it. That is going to wrap it up. How's your summer going? Hope it is going well. And uh, we still have plenty of summer left here on Datitude before we take a short little break. Next week, we'll be talking more about the Saints again. Maybe we'll be talking about LSU and the Super Regionals. That would be fun, wouldn't it? We'll see what happens this weekend. The New Orleans Breakers are also taking on the division-leading Birmingham Stallions. And I believe if they can win that one, they clinch a playoff berth. So good luck to them. We'll talk more about that. And we'll see what else we got. What other surprise we have for episode number 76. We'll see you next Friday. Peace and love, my friends. We're beautiful.